TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. Yes, it's uh, one of those cold, chilly nights where even an alpaca blanket has a difficult time keeping up. And it's going to be like that for the next couple of nights. In fact, when I was taking a peek at the weather, we're going to see overnight lows close to 15 and kind of where we're at now. Overnight lows will dip to about 10 tomorrow night around this time. And then your high over the weekend, you're going to see highs on Saturday and Sunday in the teens. On Sunday, they're saying the high is only 7 degrees, which means it'll feel even colder once you factor in things like wind chill and then when it gets through the late overnight. So please, please, please uh, know that and try to avoid being out if you can. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid being out on Sunday outside of church, I guess, but I'm going to have to warm the car up. It's going to be one of those deals where we'll get the car starter going and car will be warming up. It'll turn off because it was on too long. And then on top of that, I'm going to have to turn it back on again, make sure that thing's nice and toasty by the time we get out there. Have you noticed that 3D houses have come in and out of the news pretty frequently? It'll pop up and then it'll be gone and it'll pop up and gone. And they say, oh, this is the wave of the future and this is how you do this. I was asking an architect friend about this, about 3D homes using a 3D printer in order to try to print these sort of things. And he's someone that, I mean, talks about materials. He knows all the code. He knows this and that. He's pretty good at that. Um, So I asked him about that. What's your take on these 3D concrete homes? I'll give you his answer in just a second. So this story has been going around. Um, There's a company out of New York that has listed the first 3D printed home. And you can go buy it if you want. Asking price is about three hundred grand. Honestly, I don't know why. Uh, I wouldn't buy it myself if I was in the market for a new home, and it wouldn't appeal to me all that much. But this is what it looks like. These it's basically these large machines, and what they do is that the the machines are automated, so it has a floor plan in mind, and it just goes around layering concrete over concrete over concrete. It kind of like spits it out like it's a, almost like a giant tube of toothpaste. And it kind of, you know, serpentines it, so snake-like, over and over and over again. And it fortifies the walls, fills it in, and then does the same thing for the roof, goes up there, and it builds this thing. And by the time it's done, you know, if you're sitting back from a distance, it doesn't look too bad. 
I'm sure they got to have other people come in and finish it, you know, drywall and put the windows, doors. There's, there is wood involved in order to try to help with the, the roofing. I don't think you can have a concrete roof. Would you want to sleep under a concrete roof? I don't think so. But they're saying that these things could be more affordable. They can knock it off. It says it knocks construction costs down by about 50% because there's no waste. And they can get a pretty good feel about, you know, how much concrete is going to cost. So the $300,000 house, 1,400 square feet, two and a half car detached garage. But in the picture, it looks like it's attached, but they say it's a detached garage. And, you know, they put the different floor plans and things up there. So I asked my friend about this and I said, what do you think about um, things like this? He said, I've seen it's similar to things you've seen um, like that in the past. And it's probably not that bad. The concrete can't be that thick, he said. And he also said that when it comes to like building with concrete material, it's kind of ugly to work with. So if you're someone that is into the looks of the house, you know, an ugly concrete is probably not all that great. He also says it's kind of gimmicky right now. He said maybe in a hundred years, this is the way that they'll decide to build. But right now it's, it's gimmicky. Uh, you know, the, the answer is computers for a lot of different building. And this is using computers, but typically in the trades, what they'll tell you is that, uh, what is easiest and cheapest is what they're going to use. So if this becomes easiest and cheapest, they'll start moving to it. That kind of scares me a little bit, but I want to give you a history lesson. I don't know if you know this, but Thomas Edison actually created and built concrete homes way back in the day. You know, we're talking 100 years ago, sure, but still early 1900s. And some of these structures, some of these homes are still around. I went to Henry Ford Museum. That is in Dearborn, Michigan. It's an awesome museum. It's close to where I grew up. So uh, we took our son there when I went to go visit my parents a few years back. And there's, you know, certain things that he's interested in. You know, he likes to look at the Wienermobile. Of course, they have the original one sitting on display there. And being that it is the Motor City, they got a pretty awesome collection of cars, including presidential cars. Uh, the most significant is they have the car that JFK was shot and killed in on display there. Literally within hand's reach, there's just you and a velvet rope stopping you from reaching over and touching the car. Not that you should, because I feel like if you did, uh, security would come over and kick you out and it's expensive to get in there. It ain't cheap. But in 1917, he proposed building a mold that you would be able to use and then build your own home with concrete. A lot of these like um, homes were... Like, you know, Sears had this thing, too. There was these Sears homes where you would order them out of the Sears catalog. They would send them to you in phases as you built it, send you another phase. And some of those Sears homes are still around today, just like some of these concrete homes are. And they had one of the concrete homes inside the Henry Ford Museum. And I took a look through it. It was funny because they were talking about the advantages of having concrete furniture even. Wow, look how much easier it's going to be to clean up. You don't have to move the couch to vacuum underneath it when you have a concrete couch that doesn't move. Yeah, these things existed. Uh, so they bring together the interior, the exterior, the components, the structure, um, and they really had a hard time getting off the ground, as you can tell. They did get some models around New Jersey. That's where Edison's workshop was based out of New Jersey. And they actually ended up moving Edison's workshop to Dearborn as part. I guess he was friends with Henry Ford or whatever. So they bring in um, like his workshop and all the things Edison worked on in New Jersey are now on display. Greenfield Village that are outside the Henry Ford Museum. You can walk through it. You can see his inventions. It's actually really cool. But the thing I didn't realize is that the original Yankee Stadium, if it wasn't for his 
uh, his contract with the Yankees, Edison may have gone broke trying to do things out of concrete, but then his concrete company helped uh, lay that, which was kind of cool. But I don't know if I've ever actually been through one of a home like that. I've never been through a Sears uh, manufactured home. All of these things are just foreign to me, but none of it is new. That what my whole point is when you hear about these 3D printed homes and they're just basically using computers and they put them on a track and they let them do its thing and it lays down wet concrete in certain patterns in order to build the walls and eventually it builds it up, you know, one layer at a time. None of this is new. Edison did it 100 years ago. It's just the same idea except computers are involved. Gimmicky, sure. I also asked my friend, uh, what do you think about cell phone coverage inside of this? Like if you're sitting inside of a concrete home that you just bought, 300 grand for a 1,400 square feet home. Don't you think that would kind of take a toll on cell phone coverage? He said, "Ah, probably not. The concrete can't be that thick. It's not like you're inside of a bomb shelter or anything like that. And he's right. Uh, Looking at the walls, it was almost like if you look at the corrugated cardboard, if you were to, you know, cut it open and look down into it and you see how it's not like a solid cardboard, you can kind of see how the inner workings of it kind of like uh, serpentine back and forth and kind of like add a little bit of cushioning to the cardboard. That's what they do, but with concrete. I, but then again, I bet you these houses would last 100 years. It's concrete after all. Uh, I don't know how well it would be in an, an area where there's likely to be tornadoes, but still. Coming up right after the break, let's talk about that housing market. St. Louis Realtors Association President Matt Murin joins us on the area's housing landscape. We're not going to talk concrete homes, but we will talk about all kinds of things. If you're thinking about buying or selling, I know there's always questions in people's minds. I was curious about, you know, is this really a good time? And they say that every time. Oh, it's always a great time. Okay. Why is it? So can explain it to me as opposed to just saying it, because you've been saying that forever. So uh, great explanations of that coming up right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Joining us now is St. Louis Realtors Association President, Matt Murin. How are you today? Brian, I'm great. Pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for having me. So is the winter a busy time traditionally when it comes to home sales, home buying, or is this just a weird time? (laughs) That's a great question. Historically, the answer would be yes. Uh, We would be hibernating. It would be a slower market. But certainly the past two or three years, that has bucked to the trend. So we are not seeing that currently. You know, I always wonder when it comes to trends in the way things are going, um, the hibernation side, I've once heard that if someone is interested in buying your home in the winter, that's a good sign because only highly interested people would bother to look at a home during the winter. So I thought that was normally a good sign. So kind of tell me what the housing market looks like, because we're going through a time where there's a little bit of uncertainty when it comes to people's you know, roof over their head. Um, they're worried about what's going on with the economy and what might be happening next with their job situation and things. To me, that would indicate people might be hesitant, but it sounds like that's not the case. No, and you're exactly right. And certainly... Uh, in terms of what we're seeing now in the market, you know, it's really dominated by three key points, inventory, price appreciation, and certainly rates. And certainly, yes, there are a lot of question marks you touched on in terms of economy, jobs, foreclosures, and how is this all going to factor in. Um, right now, what we're seeing, um, the big driver and the big story, and anyone who spent any time in the past, any of your listeners in the past year or two would be able to speak to this, is a lack of inventory. There's just nothing to buy. 
Um, I, I wonder, too, um, how that has changed because it seems like when I moved here to St. Louis three and a half, four years, no, four years ago, I looked for a home in the summer of 2017, and I realized just how competitive things were then, and I thought, is it still like that now, or is it even more competitive? Ryan, it's even more. I mean, it, it, what you experienced in 2017, we are seeing a hyper version of that now in 2021. Um, to give an example, so right now we currently have in the St. Louis region for single-family homes 1.2 months of inventory. Now, and what that means is, if there were no new houses to come on the market tomorrow, it would take with current demand 1.2 months of inventory for those houses to be bought. Now, economists would say that six months of inventory is a balanced market. When you bought in 2017, it was probably not far off from that six months, probably about four months. We were at 1.2 months of inventory. So, so what accounts for that? pretty extreme. Like it, so really, what accounts for that? I mean, when I look at other markets, and like, let's say I'm watching HGTV because my wife is making me watch it, and they're going through <laughs> these other large cities like Los Angeles or San Francisco or whatever, uh, Seattle, it's always these West Coast cities, and they're always looking at it, and the prices are like triple what you'd pay here in St. Louis, and I'm thinking to myself, man, why would they spend a million dollars on like a two-bedroom uh, one and a half bath. I don't get it, but still, they um, it's because the inventory is just not there. Are we moving towards that in St. Louis, where there's just no space left, and it's just going to continue to see market prices rise because of the lack of ability to build? It, it's a it's a good question, and you're exactly right. This past year, we did see ten, fifteen, twenty percent, you know, twenty five percent in some areas appreciation. So that is probably keeping a lot of Sellers maybe making them hesitant to put their house on the market because the next step would be, well, what are they going to buy? Um, but with that sort of appreciation, it is having an impact on affordability. Uh, St. Louis has always been historically known as uh, for our affordability of our housing stock. Now, what I would hope is that when we see these price appreciations, maybe some areas in the past that we um, didn't see the growth, or certainly you're going to see developers and builders, small, medium, and large, looking for opportunities. Uh, and maybe we will re-examine some areas in the past did not see that same development um, that other areas have. So I think that will probably be an ongoing trend, just because the prices are doing what they're doing. Yeah, we have seen a lot of uh, builders, at least in some of the areas that I've been to, which is a, a nice sign. But then I realized that, and I talked to anyone that's done home improvement in the last year, and even going back six months to the summer, our neighbor, for example, built a deck in their backyard, and he said, I can't believe how expensive lumber is right now. And I thought, is that going to hamper new builds because the cost is so extraordinate for lumber right now and would that even add to some of the cramp we have when it comes to uh, availability in homes sure absolutely i mean builders you know you typically run at pretty tight margins so when you see a material cost go up like that absolutely that's going to have an impact um, they're going to be really cautious about what they're putting in and they want to minimize their risk especially coming into you know uh, the concerns of what could happen to the economy what could happen with foreclosures yeah um Builders and developers, they have to kind of weigh all those different things. And yes, material costs and what people are spending absolutely would have an impact. So really what happens next in the St. Louis market? Do you have any projections or ideas of what we could see in the next couple of months? Sure, sure. So what I'm 
seen. Um, there's going to be one really main message. Um, and honestly, there's not going to be much change coming into 2021 from what we've experienced in 2020. I'm not seeing or I'm not expecting to see a large increase in terms of inventory with a lot of houses coming on. So you're still going to see demand. You're still going to see price appreciation. Now, certainly mortgage, mortgage rates, and I'm not, let me just say I'm not a lender. Uh, and I should also add, real estate is always local. Yeah. So what happens on my block as opposed to yours are two very different areas. And the importance of talking to you know, a, a realtor in your area to be able to help you with these things. But what I'm expecting is no major change. Mm. Uh, and sometimes no change can be, you know, can be a surprising thing to say, but I, I'm expecting the exact same market conditions we're seeing now in 20, uh, or we saw in 2021 to carry forward in 2021. Are there any particular area around St. Louis that you could look at and say, wow, even for the way things are now, this is pretty slim. So certain uh, neighborhoods, certain cities that you would normally have a couple of houses pop up, but you're just not seeing it anymore. Yeah, I would certainly say in some of the um, the the central corridor, you're certainly seeing a uh, lack of inventory. Um, I, I will say in some of the higher end markets, you're actually seeing higher levels than that 1.2 mm-hmm. months of inventory. So maybe the upper end properties, you're seeing a little bit more options. Where you're seeing at the extreme level would be the opportunities for maybe first-time home buyers, um, those areas. So a lot of those maybe neighborhoods that have houses that are priced in the ones or twos, um, you're, you're, gonna, you're certainly going to see a much less lack of inventory and certainly a much sharper demand. Yeah, I wonder, too, because normally that seems to always be the case. The ones and the twos, you know, $100,000, $200,000 homes seem to be the ones that have a lot of competition when you're searching around in that price range. And it seems to be historically like that. What? Where's the cutoff point? So normally if you have a home that's valued over a certain amount, that it might sit on the market a little bit longer. Typically in St. Louis, we're going to identify luxury properties Historically, at around 450000 and up, I definitely think that has worked its way up to probably around 650 and up. So certainly in the area as a whole, it's going to perform differently, say, in Clayton and Ladue versus some other areas. But I would certainly say um, you start to see maybe it tick up higher inventory levels at 650000 and up. Yeah. Uh, so here's a weird question. Joining us here, St. Louis Realtors Association President Matt Murin. We know that Tesla as an auto company now is going to be accepting Bitcoin for purchasing a new vehicle. Have you ever seen or heard of anyone in the St. Louis region accepting Bitcoin for a home? You know, I've not. And a lot of it's going to be what the title companies are willing to accept. But, <laughs> you, know, you know, as you start to get into, you know, <laughs> that would not surprise me in the future if we go to some sort of digital. Mon- and, it, you know, honestly, I would not be surprised if that doesn't exist in some of the coasts or some other markets where a seller would accept. Because honestly, you know, if a, seller, if a buyer is willing to pay X and a seller is willing to pay X, and typically we use cash. But yeah, it would not shock me to read where someone's selling a house for Bitcoin at, at all. Yeah, I'd love to find some sort of, uh, what would it be, a title company? Who's the one that you would normally transfer the funds through? Is that who it is? It, yeah. yeah, usually, yes, the title company is going to be the one handling the funds and transferring of title. But in theory, you know, if you, <laughs> in theory, 
Uh, I'm sure if something could be worked out with that uh, cryptocurrency, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah, I want to find a title company that offers that. That They may be the first. <laughs> that is just a national story waiting to happen in a situation like that. So when Absolutely. Uh, when you start to move out, so when you go into the city or the county, and then you start looking at St. Charles and some of the other surrounding areas, it seems like there's more availability in that sense the further you go out from St. Louis. But St. Charles is probably still a very hot area. It seems a lot of times a lot of the new builds are popping up over there. Exactly right. There's still a, a good amount of developable uh, uh, land that could be developed, certainly with a lot of the infrastructure in terms of highways. You're seeing a lot of growth out there with that. And honestly, what we're seeing you know, as a result of, in this past year of, of COVID is you know, the home office. So that has take, taken on a, a much more important role. But people are less dependent on having to be close to their office. You know, a lot of a lot of companies are you know are reexamining how they're using their office space. So those areas like St. Charles, uh, Jefferson County, you know Washington County, getting further out, you are seeing a lot of development. You can still get um, properties that are, um, I guess, more and I'll use air quotes, affordable. But a lot of people are looking at those areas because they can get new construction, and they're less constrained about proximity to their office and their work. Yeah. I know. You'll absolutely continue to see that. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a a popular option for a lot of people. I've always had this question, and I'm just more curious than anything else. When it comes to things that people build onto a home, let it be a solar panel, let it be a charging station, things like that, people will list those as selling points if they have them on their home. Do buyers actually buy a home based on those things, or are they just like, "Uh, it's nice if it has it, but it doesn't add a lot of value to me? I'm I'm curious how a, a buyer would look at things like that. Exactly. You know, it's kind of the same thing here in this market about pools. You know, if a pool is important to you, you know, they can be polarizing. So if a charging station is important, absolutely, that's going to be a value add when you're looking, you're weighing house A versus house B, having that would be a real benefit. But I don't think as a whole, um, in terms of where, you know, your majority of your buyers would place a high emphasis on it. Not yet, but certainly as housing trends change all the time, that would not shock me if that becomes a not only a value, but eventually become more of a standard item. That makes me wonder, are associations, uh, neighborhood associations and things, did they ever consider building those in like a communal, much like they would a communal pool or tennis courts and things like that? You know, that's a good point. I think, you know, associations and areas like that have to look at the values and the uh, of what they're providing their residents. And that would not surprise me. A lot of, um, some of our more planned planned subdivisions, especially as you continue to go further away from the core, absolutely they're looking at what are the values and things, whether it be pools, you know, clubhouses. And, you know, if the members want that and if that's important to them, that would not shock me to see that you're going to start seeing more of that. Yeah, I'm just curious if those things were options out there. You know, and it's fun to look online every once in a while. And <laughs> I, I know it's, uh, let, let me point out, I know that going to websites that, list the value of your home are again more fun than they are realistic so uh, you know if people listening right now are listening and they're like hey maybe i should list my home maybe i'm interested or whatever uh, what's a good website for them to go to to kind of like learn what they should be doing and how they could get a real evaluation that, that, that that's a great idea well first off i'd recommend visit st louis realtors website stlrealtors.com certainly we have a lot of good market information and certainly contact information for our agents. You know, yes, I understand there's a role. And yes, the online sites certainly give good information to both buyers and sellers. And information to buyers and sellers is important. So that's always a great thing. 
But at the end of the day, you really need someone to be able to crunch that data and kind of interpret it. And that's where a realtor and an agent is going to come in. So um, certainly utilize those sites, but at the end of the day, you'd be best served going to stlrealtors.com and finding a realtor in your area. Hmm. If you believe your house is haunted, do you have to disclose that? (laughs) Not in this state. (laughs) Um, No. uh, (laughs) You know, I hear that question a lot uh, around Halloween, but yes, no, that is not I do think in some states there may be a different opinion to that, but no. Uh, At present, you do not have to identify if there's a spirit in the house. Okay, very good. So again, for the website for St. Louis Realtors, if they wanted to look you guys up online, where can they go? Sure, stlrealtors.com. And you're their association president, Matt Murin. Thank you so much for coming on tonight to KMOX. Ryan, true privilege. Really appreciate the opportunity. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. Today, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland gave their list of the nominees considered for induction this year in 2021. I don't understand why they still call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or at least if they're going to continue to put names like Mary J. Blige and Jay-Z on the list. (laughs) What's the point? They need to look at it as like a music hall. And at the same time, it kind of lessens those that are actual rock and roll bands when this is considered rock and roll. So here's an example of Jay-Z who's on the list. And when I think about those infomercials late at night where it was, now that's what I call music, 58. And then they would play whatever the pop songs are of the time. And those CDs have been out forever. I don't even know if they still make them. But when if you were to do now, that's what I call rock music. Fifty eight with stars like Jay Z. Do. It doesn't mean they're not talented musicians. I just don't know why you would qualify that as rock and roll. I don't get it. So here's some of the names. Uh, first time on the list, Jay Z. Mary J. Blige is on the list, and I really don't know much about her. Uh, a lot of these bands that are not natural rock and roll bands. I've heard the names. I just don't know much about them. Uh, Foo Fighters are on the list. Now, that's a rock band from the 90s. Very popular. Interesting thing about Foo Fighters is Dave Grohl, the lead member of the Foo Fighters, the singer, and he plays you know, all their instruments, guitar, drums at times. 
He actually is someone that's already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because he was the drummer for Nirvana, who were inducted some years back. There's actually three people on this list that could be two-time inductees, and we'll get to those in a moment, too. Diane Warwick is on the list. Iron Maiden is on that list, too. Now, that's a rock band. Like, here's Iron Maiden. You'll take my life, but I'll take yours, too. You fire musket, but I'll run you through. So when you're waiting for the next attack... So when you think of rock and roll, what 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 comes to mind? Is it this? Or is it this? Now, that's some more heavy metal, sure, but I think it still qualifies as rock and roll. Like even Foo Fighters. Here's an example of them. You know, here's another example. This one's borderline because they've been around for a long time, but it doesn't ma- mesh with like modern hip hop or whatever. The Go-Go's are on the list. Can anyone name anything other than that song by? No, no one can. See, I don't sometimes understand what goes into it. It's a club that puts in. I used to interview Alice Cooper a lot at my very first radio station I worked for because he did this late night show, uh, Nights with Alice Cooper, and he'd play music, and it was a fantastic late night rock and roll show, and Alice was so funny, and it was so good. And the nice thing was he always treated his affiliates so nice, so we'd say, hey, can we talk to Alice? And they'd say, sure. And I would talk to him about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he was always someone that got overlooked. And every year they'd bring up names like, you know, the, the Jay-Z types or whatever. The All of these bands that you wouldn't consider rock and roll. And then you would have off the list someone like Alice Cooper that deserves to be in there just not getting in. Why? Because it's like a club. And if you criticize the club, they don't consider you. Here's some other uh, people nominated. So nine have been nominated before. I have not been in. Kate Bush. I uh, don't know a lot about Kate Bush. Uh, and I feel little left out on some of these different names. Devo is on there. And I think everyone knows at least one Devo song because that's all they have, right? You know, generally speaking, this is not bad advice. If something goes wrong, you must whip it. You really didn't need much to put a song together in like the 70s, did you? Uh, let's see who else is on this. Shaka Khan. <laughs> I think they were just last year. Carol King on this list, too. Here's a uh, Carol King song. I feel the earth move on the monkey. I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to tremble and whenever. I am willing to accept that. I'm willing to consider some of the other ones on there. I just have a hard time when you hear a lot of the rap artists that are up on that. Uh, Let's see. Carol King that you just heard. LL Cool J's on there. New York Dolls. Rage Against the Machine. 
Uh, here's an example of them. Yeah, they're a hard rock beat to that. Todd Rundgren absolutely belongs to get in there. I don't know why. We should. I tried to get Todd Rundgren on the show once, and maybe I should reach out to him again. But he was cited pretty well inside Wolfman Jack's book that came out. I wanted to talk to him about the early days of radio and Wolfman Jack. And another name very much uh, enjoyed here in St. Louis, Tina Turner. That'll get you pumped up. If you haven't been to the History Museum in a while, and I don't even know if they have it open back up, I think maybe by request, but let's say the History Museum was back open. If you go to the second floor up above, and they have two different sides to it. One side kind of shows like a history of St. Louis type of deal. Like, here's what a home looked like in the 60s. And, you know, here's what expansion looked like. And here's what the old stadium looked like. And why don't you sit down in one of the chairs and watch a few clips or whatever. And then they have some of the different artists and things. And they got an awesome Tina Turner photos. And they have posters and things from some of her different time here in her history in St. Louis. Well, well worth uh, checking that part out. So those are some of the names that are on there. Uh, I, I don't know who's going to get in. I just, I think about, you know, why would you put in R and B and hip hop into the rock and roll hall of fame? And so call it the rock and roll hall of fame. Not that, uh, there's such thing as, is the rock and roll hall of fame purist as in they must be rock to be rock and roll. And maybe it's just rock in the sense that for a while rock was just pop music, right? And then eventually they had to have different categorizations of music. So Carol King, Tina Turner, and the Foo Fighters are among the contenders that are actually could be two timers. So they're already in there. So you have the Foo Fighters frontman Dave Grohl would be inducted if he does get inducted because of Nirvana. Uh, Turner is in there because of her work with uh, her and Ike Turner for a while. They're collaborators welcomed into the Hall of Fame in 91. And the other one was Carol King was inducted alongside with her once husband and collaborator, Jeffrey Goffin, who the songwriter side wise, you know, and I think Goffin records were very popular. No, that was Griffin. I'm mixing them up. But either way, she's already in there. So th we could have a couple of two timers and there's been 23 two timers in there uh, for multiple times, 23 artists in there more than once. So that'd be kind of cool to see one of those uh, worth it. I think you can find that. So that's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Every year I say the exact same thing and pretty much you can boilerplate it. If there was some sort of form I would fill out and sign on the bottom, I would sign it every year. Why are there so many of these artists that aren't rock and rollers being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Signed Ryan Recker. Uh, and then you date it. And I'd just say, I would say February 10th, 2021. And then I'd be able to say the same thing next year because I know they're going to keep doing it. This is Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. See, that sounds like a rock song. They, I don't know if we'll ever get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but Devo might. Bruce Springsteen's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Uh, he's also in the news for other things, too. Uh, not a laughing matter, really. He was arrested on a DWI, so uh, driving while under the influence of alcohol at a national park in New Jersey last year. The news just came out. So the arrest happened in November 14th at the Gateway National Recreation Park, also known as Sandy Hook in New Jersey. And charges include driving while intoxicated, reckless driving, and consuming alcohol in a closed area, according to National Park Service spokesperson Brenda Ling. TMZ was the first to report on it. Now, that is a little troubling and bad timing, too, all things considered, because you have Bruce Springsteen, who shows up and gets into a Jeep ad, and he's wearing, like, the bombardier jacket and everything, and he's doing his best Bruce Springsteen. I haven't actually seen the ad, so I have no idea what goes on in it, but the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer uh, is doing court for appearance next few weeks, and maybe that's how people got tipped off to it. And They're like, wait a minute. That Bruce Springsteen's going to be in court? How did they hide that for so long? And also bad timing because with the uh, Super Bowl ad, him driving around in a Jeep, maybe not the best for the Jeep brand right now when he has gotten in trouble with driving while intoxicated, among other things. Uh, news of the arrest came just after that Super Bowl commercial. The two-minute spot for Jeep. Springsteen says the country will see unity again. There's hope. On the road up ahead. So they had to pull that spot. <laughs> they said, oh, I guess we can't air this right now. No, we're going to have to put a pause on this commercial. You know, Bruce Springsteen behind the wheel of a car after he's defending himself for driving while intoxicated. Probably not the best. Now, think about all the money Jeep put into that ad into buy time as part of the Super Bowl. So, you know, 90 million people would see it. And they have to put all the thoughts into it. They have to hire a giant ad agency. They got to pay Bruce Springsteen. I mean, they put a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort into this. And now people were talking about the ad. Some people really liked it. Seemed to be well enjoyed, well liked. Now this is what people are going to know the ad for. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that the ad Bruce Springsteen was in after, uh, you know, he got caught <laughs> getting busted for a DWI driving around in a Jeep? I wonder if he disclosed that as he went to the people and said, uh, you guys should probably know this. <laughs> you guys should probably know this. Or did he think no one would find out? I don't know. But that's uh, the latest with good old Bruce Springsteen. Huh? He's one of the artists that I just I just I ceased enjoying his music after he got so political. You know, it was just too much. It's like I can't. Can I just enjoy one thing, please? One more hour of Overnight America coming up. Yeah, we're going to stay past midnight tonight because we started a little bit late. So join us if you want to call us. You can, too. Want to talk a little COVID and uh, a tribute to George Washington on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.